What's up, guys? It's three-time NFL Pro Bowler, all-decade return specialist, Josh Cribs. I want to welcome you to the College Sports Connection podcast, where AA Alex and AJ host the Mid-American Conference best. everybody welcome back to the college sports connection podcast i'm your host alex the captain joining me as always aj the guru what's going on everybody aj welcome back we had a great week last week talking about different bowl games different sponsors things like that now we're shifting back into our year of action segment after taking a month off we are yeah i'm excited to get into this one here we're going uh kind of turning the tables a little bit going to a sport we haven't talked about we haven't had a guest on about this sport we're going to go into the lacrosse uh world here we have uh the opportunity tonight to have Central Michigan head coach Sarah Tisdale from the women's lacrosse program up there in Mount Pleasant. Coach, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Absolutely. This is like we talked about off air. This is uh, your first lacrosse coach on the program. We're excited to talk about this. As I mentioned, it's the sport of the future in my eyes, and there's so much to get into here and so much for people to learn, especially if they don't follow the sport. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, all right, Alex, you want to get us started here, man? Yeah, so, uh, Coach, you and I kind of talked about this off-air a little bit. Central Michigan's a relatively new program to the lacrosse scene. Kind of, and it looks like you're the only coach uh, that they've had in terms of head coach. So can you kind of talk about that challenge of kind of launching a new program, the going through those first-year struggles, things like that? Can you kind of detail that for us? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, uh, Dave Hickey was the athletic director at the time, I think it was back in 2012. Uh, you know, kind of like what AJ said, he, know, he, he knew a lot about lacrosse. Uh, he came from Oregon, where obviously they have a really good women's lacrosse program. And he knew this was a sport that was worth adding at CMU and bringing to the Midwest, right? So uh, 2012, that announcement came out, you know, I happened to be right place, right time, enough success, enough experience. Uh, I'm actually an alum from CMU. Um, so my background is definitely a little different getting to this level. But um, yeah, so 2014 rolls around. Here we are. Uh, I was named the first head coach. Uh, been there ever since. Uh, I've done this before at the Division Three level. I built a women's lacrosse program at a small school called Augustana College. Uh, learned so much from the people there. Uh, they allowed me to fail without failing completely and falling on my face, right? So mm. the timing was perfect for me to come and, and, and take my first Division One job. So here we are, uh, 2020. Um, six years later, uh, we've definitely hit some bumps in the road. Um, we've had great moments, you know, year three, we won a SOCON championship. Uh, but I would definitely say looking back, one thing I underestimated is the importance of having older leaders at this level. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I thought that our coaching staff could replicate a lot of the leadership needed as we started this program and try as we might. And as much uh, as we kind of put into this program, uh, it took time to develop leadership and it takes time to develop those relationships and chemistry and things like that. So looking back, I think I probably underestimated how much time that would take and how much effort that would take. Uh, but, you know, we're getting, we're getting ready to head into our sixth season as a program and it was worth every every bump in the road, you know, I think they made us better. They made us stronger. Um, you know, we had our missteps off the field, on the field. And, you know, here we are with, you know, one championship ring on our finger, looking mm -hmm. forward to bringing home that first Mac championship ring, you know, in 2021. And 
you know, I, again, I think it was just coming down to leadership and just letting that develop. And you, you couldn't fake that. Uh, definitely looking back at, in that, mm. that six years of, that we've been here so far. Now, prior to you guys being D1, it was a club sport, correct? Yeah, yep. It's always been a club sport. And that's kind of my upbringing through, through lacrosse. You know, I'm a Midwest kid, right? And so lacrosse, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to have it at my high school, fell in love. I was a basketball player growing up still have such a soft spot for basketball in my heart, right? I, I go watch women's basketball practice just for fun on uh, most mm -hmm. days, most mornings at CMU. So yeah, so club sport was always there. Um, and, and they were you know, having a lot of good, good, good success as we kind of came on board. Um, they were helpful for us as we kind of started the program, just, you know, bringing, you know, lacrosse into the, to the, the spectrum of CMU. So uh, we, we took a couple players on from the club team as we started mm -hmm. out and just to kind of have a couple older girls. Cool. And, you know, I was looking through your schedule here, and obviously last year it was shortened, but we look at some of these schools, and there are no slouches when it comes to lacrosse. You know, I, I grew up going to Notre Dame women's games all the time. Being, You know, I, you have a few players from your uh, on your team who are from South Bend, so, you know, I know those schools, and we go to Notre Dame games all the time. They were elite, and you go on to Butler and Marquette, some of these schools, you, it's no slouch when, when yeah. it seems you're playing. And building that schedule is so important, right? So we're we're all about putting CMU and the MAC on a national stage. Like that mm -hmm. is that is my number one goal, right? And I'm going to do that this year by way of NCAA tournament if it's the last thing I do, right? Mm -hmm. But when we're adding all these schools from Power Five conferences, players look at that, recruits look at that, families look at that, and they're like, I, I want my shot, like what you're saying, I want my shot to play against Notre Dame, against mm -hmm. one of the top ten programs consistently in this country, right? Uh, so tons of respect for all those programs you just mentioned, um, those those coaches and those you know, families have become good friends of ours now as a program. And it's great to get out there. You know, we opened up at Notre Dame last year. Uh, right now, as our schedule stands, we're supposed to open up again at Notre Dame again this year, you know, and what better way to figure out where you're at than to play a top 10 team. Sure. Sure. Um, you mentioned uh, that this is the first year Central Michigan will, will be competing in the Mid-American Conference. What was that journey like? You guys started in the Atlantic Sun and then you moved to the Southern Conference and then now you're in, <laughs> in the MAC, your home conference. How did that work out? I'm going to tell you what, I was just joking about this with somebody this morning. Uh, we've had four different patches on our uniforms, four in six years, right? And like, so now we're like, we, we can't even put another patch on. We've got to get new uniforms because you can't take those on and put it, you know, on and off sure. all the time. So um, so when, obviously when CMU added, there were no other Mac schools and the choices in the Midwest were, you know, the big 10 wasn't even really developed yet in women's lacrosse. So for us, it was find a home where we knew we could be competitive right away. Uh, and that it had similar style of schools, you know, size, um, resources, things like that. So we ended up in the Atlantic sun for a couple of years. Uh, I say four patches because the A-Sun actually rebranded in year two. And so we had to put <laughs> another new patch on, right? So, uh, and then we ended up in the SOCON when the A-Sun got too big and they divided up. And so half the teams went to the SOCON, half the teams went to the Atlantic Sun, you know, and here we are on the MAC, um, our home. And it was, it's probably one of the, I know we were talking off air beforehand, you know, getting MAC fans familiar with lacrosse when you're not a MAC sport is pretty impossible, right? They're like, who, what's going on? You, you're not even in the mix. You're not even in the fold. So uh, coming into the MAC is huge. You know, the MAC, uh, I said this a couple weeks ago too, the MAC stands for everything that I stand for as a, as a coach, right? We're all about developing awesome human beings by way of playing an elite sport at the, the highest level mm -hmm. collegiately, right? So we're so thrilled to be in the MAC. It definitely took, a, it was a journey, um, but 
the timing I think was spot on um, to where we needed to be. Um, you don't want to go too early and lose the opportunity mm -hmm. to compete in the postseason, the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. You know, we had those opportunities uh, in the SoCon and Sun. And so now I think that we saw uh, the Mac say, okay, this is the time, you know, with Kent and Akron and then picking up some other affiliate members. Um, this is the time to, you know, push mm -hmm. that envelope and, and get us into uh, the Mac you know, umbrella and, and competing on a national level with that Mac, you know, patch and, and logo and, and everything it stands for. Our, uh, it's pretty exciting. Sure. And you talk about, too, getting those MAC fans, and lacrosse is one of those sports that's so regional. You know, it's not very popular in the Midwest, at the, the collegiate level. You know, it's a lot of East Coast, Pacific Northwest type of things. And the MAC fans, as you know, they're very passionate about sports. It doesn't matter what it is, from football all the way down, the MAC fans are passionate. So I think this is a great opportunity for Central to grab those fans because you're going to have a great following, you know, with the Central Michigan fans and not only, you know, the Akron and Kent State fans, they're all going to be highly, highly excited about this. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong when I say this. Uh, CMU fans, they support all of our programs. Mm -hmm. I am so fortunate to be at CMU because I've been able to be under the you know, mentorship of, of Coach Guevara and, and Margo Yonker and the programs they've built and the fan bases they've built. Mm -hmm. There is such a support base for women's sports at CMU, and I'm sure mm -hmm. there's other schools across the MAC and across the country. I'm a little biased, right? I think our fans that support our women's sports at CMU mm -hmm. are just, I mean, they will turn out, right? And, and mm -hmm. they will come rain or shine and they'll stand on in, in the sideline for us and stuff. So, you know, I think building this in the Midwest, building it at CMU, turning, you know, fans on to a new sport. Uh, I think lacrosse is a combo of soccer, ice hockey, and women's basketball. So mm -hmm. uh, we pick up a lot of fans that way when they see us, you know, going up and down the field competing. Uh, there's some hard hits in lacrosse too. Nobody minds oh, yeah. that, yep. right? You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, again, we've been so lucky and fortunate to have such amazing women at CMU that have built such a huge fan base for women's sports. And, you know, here we are as the new sport in town. And, you know, we get to benefit from all that, that love. Absolutely. I do want to get into uh, the academic side there. Uh, 27 Central Michigan lacrosse students were honored with the SO Conference uh, Academic Awards. As a coach, that has to be above and beyond any championship, any you know game you could win. Having students be honored in that way has to be a tremendous accomplishment. Yeah, and my background, I was a teacher, still am, obviously consider myself an educator, but I was a teacher for four years before jumping into collegiate lacrosse coaching. And so uh, it's a non-negotiable in my book. Uh, our players mm -hmm. know that. Uh, if you've heard President Davies speak, it's a diploma in one hand and a championship ring on the other, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, again, it's a non-negotiable standard in our eyes. And so for me, uh, you know, our players, that was one thing we ingrained in right away. You are a student athlete, not an athlete student. And there's no opportunity to, to have a career in women's lacrosse after you graduate, right? Mm -hmm. So we want you to, to be a rock star in the real world with lacrosse helping you get there. But we know this isn't, we're not the end all be all, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's a non-negotiable standard. Uh, our players live up to it. You know, uh, they want to compete uh, for the highest female GPA at CMU. Uh, those things are really important to us. And when you think mm -hmm. about building the program, that was there from day one you know, and something that we really took seriously. And uh, we had a couple of players who didn't think we were as serious as we were along mm -hmm. the way and quickly figured out like, oh, she's, she's not kidding around. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, when she shows up and her face is in my classroom door, checking to see mm -hmm. if I'm sitting in the first two rows and my phone's away. Uh, yeah, we're not going to mess around. Right. And sure. uh, yeah, diploma and rings. That's what we're all about. And President Davies, uh, you know, when he came on to CMU a couple years ago, 
you know, he's such a huge supporter of, of athletics. And I feel like it's almost us giving him back what he gives us is mm -hmm. saying that we're committing to this institution and committing to the academic success of our players. Sure. And that has to be a huge perk too, being the first time or the first head coach of this program, you can build it around your values. You know, you're yeah. not adapting another coaches. You can take what you've learned and it's, it's your way. And so that has to be a tremendous perk. And that's, you know, now that I've done this twice, right? So I've, I've only I've been at two institutions, you know, at the NCAA level. And um, I don't know if I could walk into another program. Uh, and I have no intention of leaving CMU when I say this. But, you know, I don't know if I could walk into another program. And not that somebody else's values are bad values. It's not mine, mm -hmm. you know. And, and now that I've done this twice, uh, I know what I'm looking for. I know what I want. I know my expectations. And our players have been bought in since day one. So I'm pretty fortunate in that way. Uh, yeah, it's definitely difficult. Um, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of tears, a lot of sweat mm -hmm. uh, to build a program. But at the same time, you know, like you said, my morals, my values, uh, we talk a lot about our moral compass when we recruit, right? If you can't stand on your own two feet, you don't know who you are when you get to CMU, mm -hmm. probably not the program for you, right? Um, we want kids that are got their heads screwed on straight, they've got families to support them, and they live those values that we, we instill. Sure. So uh, you mentioned off air. Uh, that being one of the only three colleges or division one schools in Michigan makes it a little bit of a challenge in terms of like playing, you know, you've, you've got, you said Detroit and then the university of Michigan and then central Michigan. What does that do in terms of recruiting versus other states who have five, six, seven, eight collegiate lacrosse programs versus the state of Michigan who only has three, how does that affect your recruiting style? Yeah. You know, I think one thing that, now that we've had the three and, and Michigan's at it and, and their head coach, Han Nielsen, she's just, I mean, she's done a bang up job since she's gotten there. Uh, it's definitely interesting in terms of how we're developing lacrosse in the state of Michigan for, and like almost mm -hmm. like a sixth through 12th grade kind of range. Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably where we see the biggest impact is because, you know, little kids going to women's basketball games at CMU and they see those players and they see that passion and, and kind of getting that, that level of inspiration to strive for. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing, the biggest downfall of not having more programs and not having that that you know natural fan base. Um, recruiting wise, though, it's been really interesting. You know, when when I call up kids and then say, "Hey, you know, Sarah Tisdale from Central Michigan University," and they're like, "Michigan lacrosse? Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Doesn't it snow there?" I'm like, "Don't worry, we have got an indoor turf bag. We're going to be fine." But um, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I will say that when once kids get to CMU, once they get into the state of Michigan they tend to fall in love pretty quickly. You know, mm -hmm. um, we, we don't bring many kids in, in February, you know, late February, we'll, we'll bring them in like right now on, on this beautiful October day, but uh, it's, it's definitely had its challenges, you know, mm -hmm. to really, I think, build that natural base, uh, be respected um, as a, as a lacrosse program in the Midwest. Um, again, I think we're getting there. It's just taking, taking time. Um, the mm -hmm. pandemic surely didn't help us, you know, from a, a resource perspective of, of looking to add more programs, but you know, overall, uh, I just wish that we had more of an opportunity to give their, our younger players that opportunity to see high level lacrosse mm -hmm. in their backyard. I would say that's probably the, the number one thing I see that's impacting, you know, only having these three programs. And, and you talking about that too, looking at your roster, you know, you are making an impact you in New York where that is a lacrosse, you know, the East coast, Maryland, especially huge lacrosse state, Indiana starting to get there with South Bend St. Joe and the Indianapolis area. So you, See, I mean, you guys are doing a great job of getting into those areas where there are quality lacrosse players. Yeah, and that was one of my goals from day one is mm -hmm. I want, you know, what you're seeing in our roster, 
I wanted this to be a melting pot of players from all across the country. Uh, obviously, you've got your hotbeds in the East Coast, you know, in the, you know, Northeast, like you said, upstate New York, Rochester, all those areas, you know, even in some of the bigger cities now, Chicago, Denver, places like that. If you look at our roster, yesterday we actually shot a, a video for registering to vote. And, um, and we had players grouped together by, by state. And it was cool to see and think about where they're coming from and, and why they're saying yes to CMU uh, from Utah, from Colorado, from mm -hmm. Southern California, from Miami, for goodness sakes. Mm -hmm. uh, she's not afraid of a little snow, you know? So <laughs> that was, again, that was very intentional. What you see represented on our roster was super intentional because I wanted players that have different perspective different upbringings, mm -hmm. uh, different stories to come to Mount Pleasant, adopt this community, have them, you know, be adopted back by Mount Pleasant and uh, really just kind of bring different ideas to the table. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm not a cookie cutter person. Um, you know, I want things to be different. I want things to be outside the box. And, you know, our, our goalie is from, you know, Salt Lake City. And mm -hmm. I think they have maybe 30, 40 high school programs there, max, you know, and here's this kid that worked her tail off to get to where she's at, at this mm -hmm. level. And shoot, Salt Lake City, let's go. Come on over. Like, you sure. know, I think it's kind of cool to see that many places represented on our roster. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny you talk about uh, the girl from Miami uh, not being afraid of snow. A couple of months ago, we had Adrian Myers on from Northern Illinois. And he had a runner from Jamaica. So she came to Chicago, never <laughs> seeing snow, and was freaked out. Had no idea what yeah. it was because she did her recruiting trip in the summer. And here she sees lake effect snow, kind of like you guys get. And she's like, this is not what I thought this was going to be. <laughs> we always joke, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. Like that, yeah. There we go. Right? Sounds about right. So, yeah, so we keep telling Sandy Edwards, this is a player we're talking about from Miami, and she's just a doll. And, and she told me the other day, you know, we keep talking, the players are like, You're Miami, like, what in the heck are you doing in Mount Pleasant, Michigan? And she wanted a different experience. A lot of her, sure. her club team, if you look where they committed, it was a lot of familiar names and a lot of familiar places that are kind of what are considered to be lacrosse, you know, hot spots and mm -hmm. well-known programs. And she wanted something different. Mm -hmm. And well, here we are, right? I mean, sure. let's go. Come on up to Mount Pleasant, kiddo. And uh, so we keep telling her she needs to get a jacket that goes all the way down to her ankles, though. Like, she's got, like, one of those cute little, like, North faces, you know, that she's like, oh, this will be fine. I'm like, that's it's not going to cut it, kiddo. Like, you've got to get one that goes all the way down. So <laughs> we're working on her. Um, right. It's, it's a culture shock, I can imagine. <laughs> it, yeah. Especially so this year, having so many spring sports or fall sports being moved to the spring, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that indoor turf time is going to be premium. So I think we're going to be outside a little bit more maybe than we're used to. Um, Absolutely. So I'm going to need some, a new jacket, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Go. And you talked about club sports there for a second. When it comes to recruiting, obviously not every school has a lacrosse program. So are you looking out at local lacrosse clubs and, and things like that, kind of reaching all of your those areas as well? Yeah, from a recruiting perspective, so – you know, we, we do spend a lot of time on the East Coast. You know, if this wasn't a pandemic year, you know, three weekends in a row in Maryland, um, as mm -hmm. glorious that sounds in November, right? It's freezing cold there too. So <laughs> right. yeah, we definitely go after, it, it's more bang for our buck to go after these mega tournaments, you know, kind of like the big AAU thing for, for mm. basketballs. Uh, so we'll go to sites that have probably, you know, 150 teams at a, at a site uh, and, and roll our, our way around for three or four days. So uh, we really look for the intangibles when we're recruiting, right? So uh, anybody can score a goal. Anybody can, you know, throw that behind the back pass. Uh, mm -hmm. I look for what happens when things don't go well. Um, mm -hmm. How do you react to your coach when you get tough feedback? Uh, 
what happens when your goalie gets scored on? Are you the first one running down there and being like, we'll get the next one? Or are you throwing a pity party for yourself on the other side mm-hmm. of the field, right? So mm-hmm. it's hard in those big mega environments when you've got so much going on and you're spending 15, 20 minutes on a field at a time. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to look for that right fit. Like you talked about that moral compass. And we're trying to get those kids that are uh, not afraid of little snow. Um, and they want to they wanna invest in the building process, right? Even though we've already graduated two classes, it's a certain level of investment. We're still going through some of our first, you know, we just had our first alumni call this summer. We had mm. our first, you know, like uh, alumni banquet, alumni dinner. Like, so yeah. you're still part of a lot of the first and you've got to find that to be, you know, almost motivating in a way. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned, I'm, I'm backpedaling a little bit. I apologize. You mentioned championships and uh, you know, that success, the, your guys, you guys won the Southern conference in year four. Is that correct? Um, so what was that building that up to that point? What was that like for those girls who've been with the program since day one to finally succeed and, you know, coach, we stuck it out. We worked through it. We won a championship. I'm sure that had to have been an incredible feeling for not only you as a coach, but for the team as a whole. Yeah. Uh, and you know, <laughs> you, you're, you're getting me a little sentimental here because <laughs> You're talking about our, our first, our first team, you know, our, our first group of players, they're only juniors, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, being able to put a ring on somebody's finger, you know, in, in their third year, that's, that's really special. And that's really hard, you know, and uh, we talk a lot about, um, we're big Kevin DeShazzo fans. Uh, and so we talk a lot about, you know, doing the work now that it's going to pay off in May and, and that year they bought in um, and, uh, I'll never forget the game. We beat Mercer. Um, that was the game that really sent us into that championship first place. And uh, our players just went off. I mean, literally went off. They didn't have and I respect this program. I respect their head coach at the time. So I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, but they went through all their goalies. I think they took their whole team on and off the field at least once or twice. We couldn't be stopped that game. And I mean, it's very vivid. And I'm sure you can, you know, kind of hear <laughs> as I'm talking about this, like I distinctly remember that day and one of our players, Anna Schoonover, just lefty, just couldn't, I mean, she couldn't miss. I think she had six or seven goals in that game. And that's one that really propelled us to, you know, but uh, that, though, that the following year after that too, we beat Cincinnati for the first time. We beat Marquette, you know? And so what you just said is exactly right. We stuck it out. We worked when nobody was watching. People didn't believe we could do this, you know? And we just kind of kept our head down and said, no, we know we've got something special here. And I'll tell you, the people and the families that said yes to CMU in that first year, I'm not surprised we did it um, as quickly as we did because they are so committed and they were so in with us. Um, But uh, I think to actually have it come to fruition and put that championship ring on kids' fingers, that was something you're never going to forget. Sure. So, you know, we've talked about the past few seasons. I want to get into our pandemic-shortened season. We're only able to get five games in, a two-and-three record. That's got to be heartbreaking as a coach and, and for players, especially. It was a day of disbelief. And I'm sure people have a similar story, right? We were on the bus and we were going to Kenton Akron, right? It mm. was our first time going to Kenton Akron. Um, you know, Akron was brand new last year. Kent was only in their second year, I think it was, right? So this is the first Mac real, real kind of like weekend for us, right? Um, and my administrator, Rachel Blunt, was, was texting me and was like, I think you might want to turn around. I don't know if this is going to happen. I think the Ivies had just canceled at that point and the mm-hmm. NBA had just canceled. And I'm like, we're already on the bus. Just keep going. Let's keep going. And I think we got about as far as maybe an hour out. And she said, you got to turn around. Mm-hmm. And, and I think 
when when you tell a bus driver to turn around the bus is like we're, we're doing we're doing what like and he has no idea what's going on right and he doesn't know the world's falling apart because he's been driving this bus for five hours and mm-hmm. you got to tell your group that we're turning around and i don't know what we're going to go back into and then when michael alford the athletic director at the time he came into our locker room and said guys it's over the ncaa just canceled spring championships mm-hmm. i mean i i don't <laughs> this is not life or death it is just sports i know that but uh, I mean, we're talking tears, like funeral style tears, right? Mm-hmm. And especially for the girls that are seniors um, that didn't know at the time they were going to be able to come back if they wanted to. Just all of that work and all of, like you said, they stuck it out. They went through the long, you know, the early mornings, the late nights, the long mm-hmm. trips and just rug rank, you know, right from under them. And that was hard. You know, mm-hmm. but that day also has motivated us every single day this year so far because you don't know. Sure. I mean, this we could be in the same spot, right? So when you walk off the field every day, you're gonna be are you gonna say I'm proud that was my last practice if it happened to be my last practice. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm proud that was my last game. I'm, I'm I did everything I could, um, mm-hmm. and so it's really been a motivator for us this year and for me too. You know, I've 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 always enjoyed coaching. I've always enjoyed being around collegiate athletes. I wake up every morning. I'm like flying out of bed. I'm like, mm-hmm. let's go. Like, I'm, I'm so excited to get to practice. We're like so planned ahead right now because I'm so excited for what's coming. It's not even funny. Like, I've never been so organized and planned ahead for either because mm-hmm. that day, that'll stick with me for a long time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you, you talk about that being a motivator now that we're, you know, in training and things like that for the next season and lacrosse being such a physically demanding sport. How are you guys training? How are you, uh, you know, keeping in contact with your players? You know, with academics being all, you know, up, you know, strange right now and what and whatnot, how are you managing all that? We've been pretty fortunate. So obviously CMU was committed to opening in person. Uh, you know, we opened up a couple of weeks for Labor Day. So we're heading into almost like week 10 of our classes. All right. So, and we've been in our 20 hour segment now for four or five weeks. Mm. Um, we've had full team practices. We've had full team scrimmages, you know, and so we're getting back to some normalcy. You know, the first mm-hmm. week was rough. We were in groups of five. Like, what do we do in a group of five mm-hmm. right. <laughs> with masks on and don't touch each other and stay over there, you know, and it was so scary. Uh, and I don't use that word lightly. It's, it's very intimidating when you have no control over the situation mm-hmm. you're in and you're trying to keep your kids as safe as you can and do all the right things. And I mean, I was, I was setting up the lacrosse field. I don't know if there's many head coaches out there that go out and set up their own field. Right. But I was mm-hmm. like, don't touch any of the equipment. Like, I don't know what's going on. So it was strange, you know, but we are feeling some normalcy now. I'm actually very grateful that we're not playing any five, any, any fall competitions. So we usually get five dates of competition in the fall. Um, our kids have not done anything since March. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so many gyms closed across the country. Our kids from, we have our twins from Southern California. I don't even know if their gyms are still open today, you know? So they weren't able to lift a single weight. And, and you talked about this, this sport is demanding. This is not mm-hmm. a, you know, this is not a sport for sissies, right? And you've got to have some serious muscle mass on you and you've got to be at a very high level. So for us, I'm grateful that we got to slow down a little bit right now, mm-hmm. make them train at a very healthy and slow pace. Um, mm-hmm. We're not quickly taken off to go play whoever this fall. Uh, so it's been positive. It's mm-hmm. getting back to some normalcy. And now it's our job just to manage our players' emotions and expectations. Um, 
silver linings been that we've been able to do a lot of really neat things with them. We've been able to be really engaged with the social justice issues that have been going on. Uh, we've been engaging in voting conversations, uh, mental health week. I mean, that's Mac mental mm -hmm. health week right now. Right. And so being present for those moments. So in a way, the pandemic has caused all of us to slow down, I think, have good perspective. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for us, it's, it's, it's given us the time to train safely, mm -hmm. you know, COVID or not, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally. Sure. Now, did you find it harder at all being in Michigan? And I know their restrictions are a little heavier than most states and still going on. You know, I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, so I'm not far from the Michigan border. And there's people coming from Michigan to my barber shop to get their haircuts. Yeah. So, you know, I know they were so strict up there. So I don't know yeah. if, that, if you felt that in your, in your program or not. Definitely. And CMU is an institution that really follows, I think, the, the letter to the law a little bit and, and grateful for it. Right. It's keeping us safe. Um, you know, we've had really successful weeks of COVID testing and we've been knock on wood COVID free for six weeks now as a program and been able to train at full capacity. So I don't mind the restrictions. Uh, I'll tell you, talk about getting a haircut. I got my first haircut and it was way over. It was one of those things that, you know, when you're in season, you're like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. And by the time I got a haircut, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. So yeah, I do think some of the restrictions definitely were tricky, especially being indoors in the weight room. I will give it to our staff though. Our staff at CMU turned out, right? They knew, okay, here's, here's a roadblock, here's an obstacle, what's the mm -hmm. solution? And our weight room transitioned outside. You know, we had a fully operating weight room with everything from kettlebells and, you know, benches and racks uh, on our field. Um, to get our kids ready. Um, and, and just really kind of watching the support staff go to work was really cool. And that's mm -hmm. how you know how to play. You're at a, a, the right place. Um, so I'm glad I wasn't, I felt bad for our basketball and volleyball programs that were trying to play outside. Um, we had to talk to our basketball coaches about wearing sunscreen. You know, obviously they're not really used to that. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. You need a big hat and you need sunscreen on your face. Like you are not going to make it if you're playing basketball outside here, you know, <laughs> in, in August. So we got, we got through it though. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. You were talking about your staff too. I kind of want to have you brag on your assistants for a little bit. I'm oh, sure yeah. leaning on them has to be huge during all this because obviously you're the head coach of a division one team. You can't do everything on your own. So you have uh, Katrina and Allison uh, by your side during, during all this as well. well. I think it was national assistance day like last year, right? Like on social mm -hmm. media and, and thinking about the people that, that said yes to CMU with me in the beginning, Mackenzie Lawler, who's the current head coach at Grand Valley, a former player of mine from Augustana said yes. Uh, currently Katrina and Allison, I mean, people, they would go to war for me. I know that, you know, and Katrina has been with me for probably that, that sweet spot of a time to, to be able to ready to look on and look to a, a bigger program or a different opportunity. She's from California. Right. So mm -hmm. kind of getting back home a little bit. She interviewed for some jobs this summer and selfishly, I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't think I can do this without you right now. Like this is going to be so hard this year. And mm -hmm. she decided to stay ultimately. Uh, I don't know if you picked this up or not, but our second assistant position actually got eliminated through the pen, through some of the cuts mm. that we had to make at CMU. And so Allison came back. She's working as a volunteer um, mm, wow. because she loves CMU so much. She loves this program so much. And I, I, I'm very grateful for them every day, you know, and um, I, I, I pay them in food and, you know, golf and things like that right now, because I'm just so thankful and they are so good. They care mm -hmm. so much about our kids and the relationships already there. When you think about all the challenges that this pandemic is adding to our plates as coaches and staffs mm -hmm. to have two people that we just picked up right where we left off and we just went to work and we said, we're going to do absolutely everything we, our kids need us to do. They're amazing. And 
I don't know where I would be right now without having the two of them return this year. Um, mm -hmm. And our players, I think just having that, that relationship there already, the emotional mm -hmm. relief, I think that that brought them knowing that they were coming back. It was like almost a, a big, like, like, a, okay, we're going to be okay. Yeah. You know? So they're, they're amazing people. You know, Allison played at Marquette. Um, she, we played against her our first three years of the program. We could never win a draw against her. I think there was a game where she won 17 draws and we won one. And so the minute we had an opening on our staff, I was like, girl, I can't beat you. So you got to come join me. Um, so <laughs> come on over to central. And so, and, and Katrina was a goalie at San Diego state. And I always believe in surrounding myself with people that make me better. And those mm -hmm. two are definitely two of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to bring up uh, 2019 real quick. You, you guys, the program, you set records, goals, points, shots, shots on goal, draw controls and saves. What was it about that 2019 team that was able to accomplish all of those, uh, those stats? <sighs> That's what you see four years. We talk about leadership. We talk mm -hmm. about the buy-in, right? So our first class were seniors that year. And even though we didn't have the season in terms of uh, wins and losses, I think that they wanted and championships that they wanted, uh, those numbers that you're talking about, that's what four years looks like. That's what four mm -hmm. years in a weight room does for you. That's what four years of buy-in, four years of culture building, you know, four years of living to the expectation. Um, and, and those groups, that group of girls were just, they were incredible. You know, people that I'll consider friends forever. Uh, you know, Jocelyn LeMay was arguably one of the best players that probably will ever come through our program. And, uh, you know, there was not a minute to keep her off the field. I mean, there was one day I looked out there and she was wrapped like a mummy almost. I was like, are you actually physically okay to be out here? And she was just one of those kids that blood, sweat and tears. She will give you everything awesome. and without hesitation. And so when you talk about that 2019 season, like I said, we fought, we saw our first wins against Marquette and Cincinnati. And I mentioned those two programs because those are power five schools. Right. Mm -hmm. And so anytime you can you notch a, a win in your belt against a power five, that's a good mm -hmm. moment for your program and playing Notre Dame's and the playing of Michigan's and playing those really elite programs. That's what gets you those records is, you know, challenging and, and, and leveling up and playing above, you know, where you're at. Um, so that was a special year. It was, it was great to be able to, I think, end that way with them and knowing that we were kind of putting up those numbers. Sure. Uh, so you actually mentioned one of the players I was going to bring up, uh, Jocelyn LeMay. I'm, I'm looking at your guys' uh, records, and she's one, two, or three <laughs> for almost every single one of them. I'm talking shots, goals. I mean, just it's incredible. Everything, yeah. So is she – when you have other players coming into the program, do they see that and they're like, I want to be better than Jocelyn. I want to, I want to be number one. Like – is that a motivator knowing that those records obviously will be broken, you know, down the road, do those players get excited knowing, Hey, that's the gold standard to be an elite player at central Michigan. Yeah. And so here's what I'll say about Jocelyn is I think if you were to tell Jocelyn, she held those records today, she would be still be shocked because mm. she's that humble. And she came to CMU not to set individual records. She came to CMU for the team and I, I and, she literally probably doesn't even know she holds that many records, right? Or she's in that, that spot, right? So for our players, uh, this might sound a little corny and maybe, uh, you know, something out of a book, but if the team's not succeeding, it doesn't matter what your numbers are, right? Mm -hmm. And so we really don't focus a ton on individual statistics. And we, we talk about what the, you know, the team needs and what the team wants. I think what people would tell you about Jocelyn LeMay and what, her, what legacy will leave is how, what an impact she made as a leader and as a teammate. And that's what a cornerstone of our program is, is are you a come with me teammate? So yeah, Jocelyn said all those numbers, but I'm going to tell you, it's, I think she would give very quick credit to the likes of Anna Schoonover, Kelly Spear, Dom Hammond, some of those defenders that made her better. 
and that's the standard that Jocelyn has set for those programs. So when you get those numbers, how, right? How did mm -hmm. you get those numbers? And it, you, would, you wouldn't even realize that Jocelyn had that many goals in a game because of how she scored them. Not flashy, just kind of a, a, a grunt worker, you know, she'll grind it out for you. She'll end up in the right place at the right time. Um, so yeah, I think the standard is, is the type of teammate she is and was, and that's what people are aspiring to be. And, and her name probably gets mentioned once a week on our program. But it's not because, oh, Jocelyn scored five goals in this game. It was, hey, this is what Jocelyn would do in this situation to help his teammate out. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the kind of player she is. And, and she's a really special kid, a really special family. Um, they traveled everywhere with us for, I think, all four mm -hmm. years. Dad always wore gold, so we knew where he was at. You know, So <laughs> that's the kind of kid you're talking about when you talk about Jocelyn. And mm -hmm. you know, she's somebody that, that made me a better coach. That's for darn sure. Mm -hmm. So how does it go with so, uh, the girl like her with her talent? How does her recruiting process go? What is your sales pitch to her for a newer program when I'm sure she had offers all over the place? Yeah, so it was actually pretty funny. So she's from Canada. Uh, so the way they do their grading system is a little bit different. And mm. I had a friend who said, Sarah, you've got to take a look at this kid. Um, academically, she's not our profile. Um, so it's a pretty elite school out east. And and uh, I don't want her to go anyplace else besides you. And I don't want to have to play against her very often. <laughs> and so she was kind of flying under everybody's radar. And so it was a really good friend of mine who's actually now the head coach at LaSalle. And uh, she, it was literally a, a just kind of a chance moment of saying, take a look at this girl. Uh, you know, she needs to end up in a really good program with a really good head coach. And like I said, my friend Katie just didn't want to play against her very often. She didn't want her to end up in a, in a, a conference school. So for us, Jocelyn was a very quiet, you know, young player. Uh, and her recruiting visit, I think she said five words. Thank God her mom's a talker because it would have been a really awkward visit, you know. But, uh, you know, from the recruiting perspective, she played on Team Ontario, mm -hmm. uh, Team Canada. And, and she was uh, part of the U19 games for K Team Canada. So to be able to put that feather in your cap, I think, is a program that's saying you're bringing in a, 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 a world-respected player mm -hmm. like that is huge. And so it still does us favors recruiting out of Canada, uh, recruiting out of Ontario. You know, people still know who she is. She's still very mm -hmm. involved and very active. She's actually going back there to become a teacher. So I hope that she just kind of creates a little pipeline for us and just makes sure. little lacrosse people from, you know, we want to go to CMU. And so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, uh, she's definitely done us favors by putting us on that national stage and even the world stage, um, mm -hmm. you know, right away in, in year one. Sure, because Canada is one of those places that people don't think of when it comes to lacrosse. They have phenomenal programs. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that, that in hockey, it's a hotbed. Right. Uh, Alex and I, we're, we grew up going to Culver Military Academy, which I'm sure you're familiar oh, with. Yeah. Yep. And so they have kids from Canada. You know, for, I have friends who played lacrosse and hockey there. Mm -hmm. And my fiance's uncle was the hockey coach there. And so they get kids from the next of lacrosse and everybody from Canada and they yep. bring them in. And I'm sure you've spoken to kids from CMA as well. Yeah. And, and for us, you know, having that, that Canadian pipeline has, has been huge every year, bringing in a couple of players. Tyra Prince is still with us. Mm -hmm. Tyra was a direct reason. Jocelyn was a direct reason why Tyra said yes to us. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tyra will be a huge leader on the field for us this year. So, mm -hmm. you know, for, for that Canadian connection being in the state of Michigan, Talk about somebody that's not afraid of a little snow, right? Our Canadian sure. friends are—they're going to be a okay. They come with the right jacket right away. You know, they're wearing their 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 parkas in October. So uh, yeah, it's been fun to have the that benefit of that relationship with Jolson continues still mm -hmm. to this day. Sure. Now you've got players that uh, you're talking about, you know, leaders and whatnot on the field, off the field. Uh, which players are you kind of applying 
more leadership opportunities too. Obviously you're seniors that, that I feel like that's just a given with any program, but what players that are in the younger ranks, are you kind of seeing this leadership potential that you want to kind of see break out this year as a leader? Yeah, I think I like this question a lot because one a cornerstone of our program is that we don't have captains. Um, we expect everybody to be leaders in our program. Um, uh, our baseball coach shares a similar philosophy and, and I've learned a lot from him just kind of watching Jordan build that program and obviously into a huge powerhouse pretty mm-hmm. quickly, you know, obviously a long story, you know, history, but for us having uh, everybody be expected to be a leader was probably one of the smartest moves um, I've made as a head coach. Uh, so, but mm-hmm. to answer your question in terms of people, uh, we've got two really exciting freshmen in Chrissy Walford coming out of upstate New York and McKenna Hoon coming out of the Denver area. Um, really elite students, really elite people, awesome families. Uh, we put them in charge of the scrimmage teams a couple weeks ago and, and had them interpret and uh, the scouting reports that we gave them. They had to lead their teams. They had to decide lineups, all that kind of stuff. And they crushed it, you know. And so mm-hmm. giving those younger players that opportunity to have that voice. Uh, we talk a lot about to our players great leaders aren't the ones that are speaking. Great leaders are the people that are around them making everybody better. And I think about my, my role as a head coach, right? If, if I'm succeeding and Katrina and Alice and my assistants are not succeeding, I'm not doing my job, right? Mm-hmm. My job as a head coach is to elevate them every single day. And so when we think about our older girls, you know, we brought back four fifth years because of COVID. Um, and it's, it is about them because they've got unfinished business, but their legacy is going to be what they give to the freshmen and how they really instill some of those values in them. Here's what I learned in five years in this program. And if you can instill that into the McKenna Hoons, the Chrissy Walfords, the Sandy Edwards, some of these really exciting young players we have, our program's going to be doing all right uh, for a long time, you know, and that's really the big challenge for us is creating the leadership opportunities, kind of, you know, helping those players find those, see those, and getting out of the way. And, um, you know, for me, like I said, elevating them, putting them in positions to be successful. Uh, it's been fun to watch, you know, they, they, they got their teams all, they're, they're warming up and they're all fired up and ready to go. And so I think those two will see some exciting things from this year. Mm-hmm. So we've talked so much about your program and the greatness that's going on there. I want to break away from that a little bit and go to the sport of lacrosse as a whole. You know, what is it going to take for lacrosse to be a mainstream sport? Like it has the potential to be, it's like we talked yeah. about, it's one of those, it's a fun, fun, sport to watch what's it going to take i think some of the changes we've made recently have been really helpful so we added a shot clock to women's lacrosse a 90 second Mm -hmm. shot clock and that gets fans going like who doesn't like goals being scored right like Mm -hmm. i was an offensive player when i played i'm not gonna lie Mm -hmm. to you right i'll buy into the defense win championship mentality but i'm really like we want to see goals right so (laughs) for us uh that 90 second shot clock really helped uh, getting the viewership, right? We Getting opportunities to be on uh, on some of the bigger, you know, whether it be Big Ten or, or ESPN, some of those viewership opportunities. I think really just kind of engaging our fan base bigger than where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, growing the sport uh, is also getting out and, and, and just getting sticks in young kids' hands and being involved mm-hmm. in our communities. Um, and that's, you know, that's why I do this, uh, is mm-hmm. to really inspire that next level of, of player to get involved and, and have some fun with this. So for us growing lacrosse in the Midwest, you know, I think it's, it's part of those rule changes, you know, part of the fan engagement, uh, you know, and it's really getting out and building those relationships with people. 
Um, you know, that's, that's been my thing from the day one at Mount Pleasant is I'm going to go out, I'm going to make a relationship with somebody, draw them in, make them love lacrosse, make them love our kids. And, and that kind of creates that fan base, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for us, uh, I think we're, we're getting closer and closer and closer to that national TV spot. You know, our, our, our unfortunately our national championships is still on ESPN three. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got some work to do. Uh, but I think really building that base by a community grassroots effort and, and making some of those mm -hmm. rule changes to make our game kind of like we talked about off air a little bit, a little bit so people get it a little bit more, mm -hmm. you know, um, if you anybody's a field hockey fan, uh, we play through whistles now. So the game's very mm -hmm. fast. I feel horrible for our referees at this point because they, you know, the girls stay 18 to 22 every single year. The referees are getting older and mm -hmm. our game's gotten very fast, very fun, very competitive, kind of taking away some of those head scratching moments for fans and being like, wait, what was mm -hmm. that call? I don't understand, you know? Um, so I think the sport is one where, like I said, if you like hockey, basketball, soccer, you're going to love lacrosse. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's just really kind of getting people that, you know, just that little taste early on and, and getting mm -hmm. them turned on to the sport. And, you know, like I said, I think we're getting there slowly and surely by some of these little sure. changes we're making. Now, how big of an impact have you noticed what Paul Rabel and the PLL has been doing? I mean, yeah. being on NBC every Saturday, and it feels like every year they're growing a new team or a couple of new teams. You know, what they've been doing is incredible work. Have you noticed that as a coach? Yeah, that's huge. You know, and it's really kind of getting that. You said it's the national spotlight on it, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse, pretty different sports. Obviously, you know, you guys know this, you know, but at the same time, it's still lacrosse at the end of the day, right? And so family mm -hmm. like, oh, like I saw that game on, e on NBC or I saw the game on ESPN, I'm going to tune in, I'm going to give this game a shot, you know? And that's really mm -hmm. takes it. I love what they're doing. And it's been a very healthy thing. And I think especially to do it in the middle of a pandemic and have mm -hmm. the year that they had, that's going to pay off, right? The people mm -hmm. that thought creatively during the pandemic and found a way to do it, those are the ones that are going to be successful. I think the people sure. that, that tried to do the same thing they always did before the pandemic and do it the mm -hmm. same way, good luck, right? Yeah. Not, it didn't work out so well. So those guys, gosh, it's been awesome to watch. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I was so hungry to watch live sports and, mm -hmm. and being able to tune in and watch live lacrosse like that. That was, that was a great yeah. moment. I think regardless whether you're a fan or not, or, you know, it's just to see something like that, I think really start to turn people's attention to, to this great game. Sure. I think one thing cool they did too, was they had a live draft, like for mm -hmm. lacrosse, that's, you know, it catches the eyes of, you know, players and I'm, hopefully someday that happens in the women's lacrosse too, because if this is, ex is as ex successful as it can be, it can carry over to the women's game and be huge for you guys as well. Giving those yeah. girls a future outside of college. And there've been a couple attempts to start a, a professional women's lacrosse league. I think we've had a couple summers of getting some small things together. And so I do think the interest is there. And, and mm -hmm. once again, I think we start growing, you know, our sport is every single year, we're adding so many division one teams. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, you look at Division Three now. I think when I was coaching Division Three, I almost think that 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 level has doubled in size in, mm -hmm. in the last ten years. You know, so that's what it takes. I think you've got to get that viewership. You've got to have that interest. You've got to grow. You know, kind of grow that sport. Doing the live draft. How cool is that, right? I mean, good for those guys. Like, again, if you're thinking outside the box in the moment of crisis, you're going to do something well. And mm -hmm. and they did, and they crushed mm -hmm. it. And yeah, so I think we'll be able to benefit from that too as a women's sport. Um, unfortunately, I think if you look at the national trend of how sports go, you know, we, you look at the WNBA and, mm -hmm. and the NBA this year too. WNBA had a great year. NBA had a great year. You know, I think both of those, you know, and you saw the camaraderie, I think, amongst the, the you know, the mm -hmm. male and female players too. That's what it'll take for lacrosse, I think, to get to where it needs to be. Sure. Uh, well, it was funny you mentioned the – starving to watch live sports. Um, I remember AJ all this 
I guess we'll call it the pandemic off season. Um, every week we're like, Hey, do you see anything on ESPN? No, not this week. And then, you know, <laughs> we, you know, we would mention, Hey, yeah, like lacrosse, or did you see like they're playing cricket in Europe? Like, you know, these different things so starved to watch something. And I, I remember sitting down and I don't remember what sport it was. I just remember sitting down with, you know, a bowl of chips ready to just watch something. I, I didn't <laughs> care what it was. I was just so excited that there was going to be a sport on TV. And I, I think, yeah. I think, like you said, you know, the creativity of some of these, these organizations, you know, I think when the NBA announced that they were coming back, I was just super happy to see Adam Silver figure it out and say, <laughs> all right, Hey, we've got a bubble plan. You know, AJ and I are huge baseball fans and, uh we were extremely frustrated for a good majority of the summer, not getting to watch baseball until they finally figured out. So it just, I, I think you're absolutely correct in that anybody who was able to do this creatively is going to see so much more success down the road than to continue to do the same old thing over and over mm -hmm. and over again. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. Who do you guys cheer for baseball wise MLB? Uh, Cincinnati Reds here. And, and yeah, I'm a Cleveland guy. Okay. So. I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm I'm somewhere right. in the middle there. Oh man, there you go. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> I, we're we gotta hang up now. I gotta go. <laughs> See, it's been fun, right? Right. So, <laughs> so, coach, you talked about that you played offense. Uh, were you an attack? I was, yeah, low attacker. Right. Uh, those girls only have to run about ten yards, so that was right my jam right there. There you go. So why is it? I've always wondered this too, because I was a catcher in baseball, and you know, you hockey goalies, lacrosse goalies. Why is it that we're always crave the crazy ones, like? <laughs> Because you hear it all the time, you have to be nuts to play goalie or nuts to be a catcher, especially in lacrosse. I can only oh, imagine yeah. that takes a special individual. I'm telling you, the, the, the girls that stand in front of cage, I've done it once, and I think I screamed the whole time with my eyes closed, and I had mm -hmm. on way more padding than I ever should. Um, I do think our goalies are unique individuals. We'll leave it at that, right? <laughs> so our, our, our goalie from Utah, Sierra Savage is her name, and of course, when you have your last name Savage, you just have to go by Savage, right? Like, that's, that's the rule. And yeah. Uh, she took a shot at practice right off her shin and she's not, not a big girl, right? So not a lot of meat on her bones anyways. And she took a ball right off the shin, hard direct shot, not a bouncer, like just hard. And talking about, you know, baseball catchers probably feel the same pain, right? Mm -hmm. My heart stopped. I was like, Oh my God, that's going to hurt so bad. And she like laid down for a minute. She goes, I'm good. I'm good. And I was like, Oh my God, I would be crying in the corner right. for like 10 <laughs> minutes. And you just got up and got back in and took another shot. Right. So mm -hmm. Um, we're, we're pretty famous for, you know, like the donut pads, you have to cut mm -hmm. out foam and just kind of oh, you know, put a bandaid on it kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I do think goalies, it takes a unique individual I'll just say that. <laughs> and I don't think people realize too how hard a lacrosse ball is oh until they God. touch it. I mean, yeah. it's a rubber ball. It hurts. Yeah, and, and, and our sticks now have advanced to such where we can shoot probably closer, like to 60, like up, like low seventies, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that it, it's rubber from the core out. Right. Yeah about the same size as a baseball maybe a little smaller mm -hmm. uh yeah um it hurts and I've, i mean i've gotten hit you know just to kind of like at a glance you know just not paying attention and a ball mm -hmm. comes in hot out of a drill or something that still hurts that stings mm -hmm. you know at our goalies in college goalies it's a point of pride not to wear shin guards right mm. high school you have to division one it's like no no i'm tough uh <laughs> i'm not wearing shin guards I would have on like full catcher's gear if I ever had to do any of that. So, because I mean that circle's not that big in diameter, oh. so I mean, you know it's coming in and out of there very quickly. 
Yeah, and, uh, very quick. And like, you, I mean, it, I think there was a study, it's like less than a half second reaction time that you get. Yeah. Um, and that's not from right on top of you. That's like from like the eight meters out. So yeah, I don't, I, and Katrina was our goalie and she, we were joking the day. She's like, I've got permanent like dents up and down my shin from, sure. you know, from taking shots. Uh, sure. permanent bruises everywhere you know so sure. no not for me I'll, I'll be the one scoring the goals but right so how do you go off that topic how do you recruit a goalie you know do you look for toughness number one first and foremost and then you can develop them into what you want or, or how do you go about that yeah so I think our number one thing we look for in a goalie right now is somebody that's able to successfully communicate and lead on the field um so mm -hmm. obviously you got to be pretty good right all right so if we found you yep you can save some balls you're, you've got you know that that kind of athletic ability you know what you're doing now next level can you lead your defense? Can you lead your team? And for us, we uh, play a heavy communication style defense um, directed from our goalies. And that's not for everybody, right? You're, so you're trying to save a shot that's coming at you 70 miles an hour. You're trying to tell three of your teammates how to slide and how to adjust the ball and not lose your mind. That's a lot, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and it takes a special individual to play at this level anyways, from a, uh, from a skill perspective. And then the demand I think we place on them from the type of defenses that we run uh, requires that communication. So mm -hmm. not the most exciting answer ever, right? But no. uh, we've got we've got a righty and a lefty this year. So it's kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. uh, our, our lefty is Aaron from Connecticut. Our righty is Savage from Utah. Uh, they're about as opposite as you can get as, as far as people go. Um, they're really cool kids um, in totally different styles, totally different belief systems, and they couldn't be more of a perfect match. It's, you know, it's kind of opposite to track things. So uh, really cool advantage to have a righty and a lefty mm -hmm. uh, because teams then have to prepare for both. Um, they don't know who's going to go in. As you might imagine, when you're shooting on a lefty goalie versus a writing goalie, you've got different strengths and weaknesses where you want to place the ball. So it's really a huge benefit to us. And so we'll always have, when we're talking about recruiting, to try to continue with that too, is having a writing mm -hmm. and a lefty and making teams try to guess who's going to play. Sure. So in your prime, I put a radar gun in front of you. How fast are you cranking the ball? Me? Yeah, in your prime. Oh. Oh man, it was my prime. Thank God. I was like, I don't know, AJ, uh, maybe 30. <laughs> uh, my prime, my, so the stick, you'd be, it'd be embarrassing to show you the stick I had to play with when I played. It was like flat. There was no, it was basically like a basket with a you know, straight metal pole on it. So I think in my prime, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself some credit and maybe go like high forties. Right. Okay. Uh, but uh, now I've gotten like, you know, old lady shoulders. And so I can't shoot very fast overhand. Mm -hmm. So I'm cranking at sidearm and my goal is like, just, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right. <laughs> so, uh, but in my prime, I'm going to give myself high 40s. Maybe. Sure. Because I had a crankshaft growing up playing around with. So, I mean, for that, that was always a lot of fun, too, getting a little extra zip on the ball uh, when we were yeah. playing in club. Yeah. So now the women's sticks, they've all, they've, they've developed a 10 degree um, tilt to the head, too. So you mm -hmm. get even more whip coming off the, the mm -hmm. stick. And mm -hmm. so some of our players, I mean, it's, it's pretty gnarly what they can do, uh, sure. you know, with the ball coming out of there. And, and while you're running full speed, I mean, be able to right. do both those things twice. I can barely walk and, you know, chew gum at the same time, let alone do that. It, it is impressive. Yeah. I got, I got a Peloton this year and that's my, like my, that's my new, like, you know, old lady routine, you know, and that's, but I, I'm like strapped into those shoes and I fall, I'm the whole bike's going down with me. So I don't, you know, oh, man. my, my running down the field days are, that's why I hire young assistant coaches. I'll tell you that much. I don't blame him. <laughs> well, coach, this has been a lot of fun. That really, yeah, really has to both Alex and I. Yeah, yeah thanks for the opportunity. This is great to talk about CMU. Great to talk about lacrosse, and, and nice to get to know you guys a little better. And thanks for putting us on the map. That's a, it's a huge moment for us. No, absolutely. absolutely. Um, you know, this 
kind of our plan here. We want to get those those programs in the MAC because we're both MAC alum. We love the MAC conference, and you know it's one of those things where we can get everything out we can because we love it. Yeah. Hey, first season of Mac lacrosse, right? I mean, so I, I hope that people turn out for that. I hope people are excited about that and we're excited to hopefully put CMU on the top of that, you know, that, that first championship uh, trophy coming out of the Mac office. Sure. So hopefully next season, you guys play Notre Dame. We'll make the trip up there because it's not that far from us. So. And that's we'll great. It'll be inside. Good news. So oh, yeah, there we go. February 16th. <laughs> so it's inside. Uh, it, I the walking in there, what an electric environment and what an opportunity for our kids to be able to play there, you know, and you've got, you know, their fans, you know, everything was just so great in that moment. So, yeah, so well, we would love to see you guys there. I think that'd be a lot of cool. That's that's called the Mayo Center, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, because I'd like to tell you, going there, I was yeah. not nervous for that game, but I was, I was a little nervous for that game. So yeah. I remember getting off the bus, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to make a trip up there for that. That'll cool. be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch, Coach. Thank you so much. Uh, I know that Sounds great. Um, we, we appreciate getting to hear these stories and learn these different things from the different guests that we've had on the different coaches and these, the different backgrounds just, and you all seem to have a similar philosophy I've noticed is y'all it, it's really about the student athletes and that's just so refreshing to hear. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, coach. for sure. Thanks guys. Cool. Thank you. All right, AJ, I think that's going to about wrap it up for me, man. I had a lot of yes, fun sir. talking with, with coach learning, learning some more about lacrosse, yep. about central Michigan. Do you have anything else Absolutely. you wanted to tack on tonight? No, it was a lot of fun. We uh, were excited to promote the program more. And now that they're in the MAC, you know, they're going to, you know, hopefully put that name on a national level. And, you know, hopefully we're going to be, hopefully help with that and, uh, you know, continue to support the girls up there in Mount Pleasant. Sure. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to check us out on Twitter, you can follow us at College Sport Pod. If you want to follow myself, you can follow me at Sheer Dumb Luck. If you want to follow AJ, you can follow him at Roughing55. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Yeah.